You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the Dolphins get right back into the winner's circle, and you know what that means. It is a 16-10 victory for your Miami Dolphins, who are 4-3 and three after a sterling defensive effort and a pair of picks to close it out. We'll hear from Tua Tungavailoa. We'll hear from Mike McDaniel, do the five takeaways, discuss some teaching tape, and give you the play before the play. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and what a night it was on a night where the Dolphins were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the perfect 1972 Miami Dolphins after the Saturday gala at the Hard Rock, uh, celebrating Larry Zonka, Larry Little, Bob Greasy, the entire crew out there in full force getting a, a chance to get together here before a big primetime game on Sunday night. And we saw it in the building. We saw the honorary captains come out there with Tua and Landon and do the coin toss for the guys out there. And just across the entire building, it was packed wall-to-wall alumni, the green blazers, the gold jackets all over the building. A special, special night. And what a job it was by the Miami Dolphins to get that victory on a very special night. And Hard Rock Stadium at night, it's, man, it keeps getting better. The way they dim the lights for the introductions, just a really cool atmosphere, a very cool setting. Hopefully we see a lot more of those here in the future because Miami, primetime, under the lights, it's just, it's a really cool feel, a really cool atmosphere, and that place was rocking all game long, especially during those uh, player introductions there in the beginning, and then, of course, at the very end with the game-winning pick there by Noah Igbenogany to put this game on ice as the Dolphins do move to 4-3. and three. Also, we had a chance to see Tua Tungavailoa's return and the Maria Taylor interview that aired on NBC on Sunday as well. So plenty of content for you, plenty to get to. Let's go ahead and start here with a, a game that followed something of a new game script for the Miami Dolphins. And it started with the fact that they lost their first coin toss of the season. Uh, going back to the preseason, they were 9-0 and heading into this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh wins the coin toss, defers, and the Dolphins have a chance to get the football first. And they march right down the field to a complete six of a seven passes for 68 yards and the touchdown to cap it off to Raheem Mostert. Just boom, 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 down the field in short, short succession. That was really cool to see. And it gave this defense a chance to play with a lead for the entire night. The Dolphins led this game from wire to wire up until that last play, the interception in the end zone uh, before victory formation, of course, by cornerback Noah Igbenogany. They get the early lead, some chances to, to put it away. I thought, you know, a couple of those red zone drives that bogged down there wind up with field goals. 
chance to kind of score on some of those plays, um, chances to put the game away later as well. Plenty to work on, plenty to grow from, but in the interim, it's a win that snaps a losing streak. Getting back that winning football, that's the only thing that matters in a game like this at the conclusion of this game. Before we get to the takeaways, how about the stats from the night? You know by now, Miami wins this game 16-10 after putting 13 points on the board in the first quarter. Tua goes 21 of 35 with a touchdown, 261 yards. Raheem Mostert rushes 16 times for 79 yards. And Jalen Waddle leads the way with four grabs for 88 yards. The Dolphins had 17 first downs to Pittsburgh's 19. Both teams were four out of 14 on third down. The Steelers converted both of their fourth down opportunities. The Dolphins were 0 for 1. Miami wins across the board in the yardage battle, 372 to 341 total. 261 to 246 in passing, and Miami goes over the century mark on the ground game with 111 yards to Pittsburgh's 95. The Steelers did run 69 plays. Miami ran just 62. But the big swing, this is the the converse of what's happened the last three games. Miami wins the turnover battle three to nothing. They get two sacks of Kenny Pickett, don't allow a sack of their own, and the Dolphins only commit five penalties for 30 yards. A bunch of improvements there in key, key critical areas where games are often decided by, by your Miami Dolphins. The Steelers had five for 40, so they were very clean in that regard as well. Uh, time of possession goes to the Steelers, 33-16 to 26-44. Let's go ahead and jump right in to our five takeaways, and you have to start at the quarterback position. We saw him come out of the tunnel. It had the fi- the crowd absolutely fired up. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see our social media post on the actual Miami Dolphins Twitter uh, account and across all social platforms where they followed him out from that tunnel from behind him and kind of saw him go up to his teammates and the way his teammates greeted him. A really cool moment as they welcomed him back onto the game day field after welcoming him back all week long uh, at practice. You know, we've heard the term oos now at this point, the term for brother in Polynesian. That's what he's referred to around these parts by his teammates. And you can see the way they love him and, and care for him and we're excited to have him back. And the energy he brings, not just to the, to the game day field, but practice in the meetings all week long here in the Baptist Health Training Complex. And man, he was slinging that ball early, wasn't he? The, the two things that I thought really stood out about his game that were a nice... Uh, jumpstart to the offense early in this game was number one, just the ability to kind of slide around and make subtle movements in the pockets to not just scramble and make plays with his legs. We saw him hit a couple of runs tonight, which were his first scramble runs of the entire season, believe it or not, but also to make plays where he attacks the line and then threatens the defense with both the legs and the arm. And I thought the touchdown pass to Raheem Mostert was really, really special because he gets pressure, has to come off of it, steps up into the pocket, no fear in that part of the pocket, right? That's been a big part of his game since he was back in Alabama and and before that too at St. Louis High School uh, in Honolulu. But his ability to attack the line of scrimmage and then know where his release valves are, his check down, his back, the entire route concept, because he's attacking straight forward and there's little old Raheem Mostert hanging out by the pylon you know, not in his peripheral, like off to the side of Tua's, you know, vision at that point, he locates him, gets the ball to him, and he winds up scoring that touchdown after a great block from Jalen Waddle right short of the pylon. So I thought Tua's ability to manage the pocket, the fact that there was no sacks in this game, we'll have pressure numbers for you guys on the Tuesday Review podcast, taking a look at PFF numbers and the tape and all that fun stuff. But man, the proof is in the pudding. Just the way the offense can operate around his ability 
to mitigate potential pressures and sacks, the offensive line played better in general, I thought, but two was a big part of that as well. Just like the way that he was playing on time and in rhythm early in the game, replacing the blitz with the football, the very first completion of the night after they go back five yards with the uh, false start procedure penalty there, and then they go 19 yards to Jalen Waddle after a loss on first down. The second down plays a little pop to Waddle for 19 yards to move the chains. Just really really looked proficient, looked ready to go, looked prepared on those first couple of series with touchdown, field goal, field goal. The way he was hitting guys on play action, on the move, sticking balls in the tight windows, the ball that glanced off of uh, Gasicki in the end zone, the ball that we did get to Raheem that he gets hit and can't make the catch or finish the catch, I should say, with a great hit by the Steelers defender. Some of those passes sticking right in there, had that deep shot to Tyreek later in the game that we almost got for a you know put away type of play late in that game. Just great to see him get back. The efficiency, the long drives, the explosive plays, all that fun stuff was there. And I mentioned he finished the night 21 of 35 in this game. And even though there was you know some mishaps and things that he, he said himself he thought could have been better, Complete 60% of his passes for seven and a half yards per attempt. It's a bit of a down swing from his usual, you know, what is it, 9.2 yards per pass coming in, but a 92.7 passer rating and uh, enough, just enough for the Dolphins to get the victory tonight. He moves to 17 and 9 as the Miami Dolphins starter. I want to go to Tua on this part. We'll come back later in the show with another Tua soundbite. Let's go ahead and go here first to Tua, who talked a little bit about the misses and opportunities they had on offense they couldn't quite capitalize on and how there's more meat on the bone as a result. Yeah, I, I think they made they made really good adjustments defensively, but there they were just little misses here and there that, that we had offensively. And, you know, a, a lot of the misses... Could have could have turned into really big plays, so um, you know just better execution. And there is no doubt in my mind that they will get that corrected going forward and start making some of those plays that were just a little bit off, like Tua mentioned. Some of those shots over the middle where the ball's a little bit long, or maybe the the receiver doesn't pull it in. Some drop passes here and there. Just a couple of instances where they were close, but no cigar in a couple of those. I think we'll see that just get more and more well-oiled and more proficient as we move forward here. The way it did from week one to week two, you know, back to start the season. I, I would expect, you know, to see or, or hope to see similar improvement, similar growth as this team works to get better every single week with the quarterback back and, and making plays. Uh, good sign to see Tua back. Number one, first and foremost, the fact that he's healthy and playing and good to go. Lower on the shoulder, running through guys. That's all fun to see, but just the impact that he has on the field, also very cool to see. Takeaway number two was really, I put second half defense and special teams in general, but really it could have been the entire defense, just the full takeaway. But I wanted to note the second half performance to get five straight punts and then a couple of interceptions to pretty much, not to pretty much, to flat out end the game was just really peak performance. And we're going to talk about the defensive backfield here in just one second and the mentality of that group and what it means to this football team as, as far as the microcosm of how that group played together and, and how it reflects upon the rest of the team. But just the defensive effort from the Jalen Phillips standpoint, Andrew Van Ginkle, those guys together, I mean, what a game both of those guys had tonight, really the entire defense, obviously. But I want to start here with Jalen Phillips, who his impact is so much greater than what his box score even ever is, it seems like, this year. And that's when he, in a game where he made eight tackles and had a sack and a half. You felt his presence the entire night, the way he could two-gap. And that was true of either edge. In a game where you're down Emmanuel Ogba, who's been so reliable and so durable for you at that position, to get Phillips up. And Van Ginkle, who it seems like every single time he has an elevated role. Like, I go back to, was it 2020? that Raider game, 
I think it was was Shaq Lawson down that night, and he fills in and has like two sacks and a bunch of plays and coverage and just stepped up big. Then last year there was a similar situation, I forget the game, where he got an elevated role because of someone's absence and made more plays in that game. You see it here tonight, Noah Emmanuel Ogba and Andrew Van Ginkle fills in with eight tackles of his own. Really good coverage, finding depth, finding his certain uh, landmarks to drop to, coming in, defeating blocks and beating the running game that way as well. Both of those guys off the edge played so, so well in this system that's all about gap integrity. And you heard Coach coach talks about that after the game, about how important it was to maintain that gap integrity against a quarterback who, as we saw, can get out and run a little bit. I mean, Kenny Pickett in this game winds up rushing the ball three times for 20 yards. I mean, that's there's some big impact plays that he had with his legs. But the Dolphins' defense just kept coming at him, kept coming at him. Two, play, two drives in a row there to close the game out. It's 22 total plays, and you get relentless pass rushes and just rep over and over again when you're tired and you're losing your legs. But guys like Phillips and Van Ginkle, with their sound gap integrity, with their good rush integrity, I mean, the way they made plays against certain two-gap looks where – you have to have integrity to both outside to set the edge, but also be able to play inside the tackle and make plays when the back kind of wants to widen you by taking his track to the outside shoulder of that edge defender, of that force defender, and then take a you know lateral step back inside, a cutback, and work back underneath the tackle, between the guard and the tackle, into that B-gap. And the way both of these guys can keep themselves clean and keep their outside arm free for the potential edge run, but also work back inside under the tackle to make the play against the run. Man, that stood out in a big, big way. Zach Sealer was a man possessed in this game, the way he controlled the point, and really one of Phillips's sacks tonight was, I thought, really the credit to Zach Sealer for the way he pressured the pocket inside by just discarding a double team. He put a guy on the ground and worked his way to the quarterback like he is wont to do. I mean, that guy, every single game, he has reps where he just says grown man strength, overpowering people, sometimes in short yardage, sometimes it's in the pass rush tonight, a little bit of both of those things for Zach Sealer, who winds up in this game with a couple of tackles, four of his own. Didn't get the sack there with Phillips, but he was certainly right there to help force that sack. You get the five straight punts, you get two picks to end it, and then special teams. I thought special teams was absolutely fantastic in this game. Uh, the way Thomas Morstead's flipping the field right now. How many punts did he have in this game? He kicks it six times, averages 42.7, but man, four of those go inside the 20-yard line, and the good coverage down there by Justin Bethel, by Elijah Campbell, just really good work all around. And you get Jason Sanders making three field goals, one point after a try as well. Uh, The difference in the game. I mean, without those field goals, the Steelers probably can kick one there late and get themselves back into the game, tie it up, and maybe go to overtime. But because Sanders was so solid with 47 and 42-yard kicks, and then one from 24 as well, to put Miami in a position to really squeeze out this game and get themselves into the winner's circle. So those are your first two takeaways. We'll come back here and get to the rest of those here on the Drive Time Podcast. Tua is back. Second half defense and special teams balls out. Takeaways three through five. That's coming next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
It's a Monday morning recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast, and we pick it back up here with takeaway number three. And this one is multifaceted because, one, watching the game throughout, I noticed a really good look at the Dolphins' man-free, which is cover one, single high safety, man coverage, press up, disrupt, and just reroute guys at the line of scrimmage. And the way they were able to take that element of this defense that really is kind of its calling card, the ability to disrupt timing and get pressure through different looks and confuse the quarterback by taking away early reads and getting pressure through twists and games and disguised rushers and disguised guys backing out. It's kind of the makeup of this defense and the fact that you can go, (laughs) Byron Jones is not playing. Nick Needham is not playing. Cater Kohu is not playing. Like, so three prominent cornerbacks that have played a lot of football in this system and played really well in this system that are not there right now. And so you go to Noah Igbenogany and Justin Bethel, who really signed back here on September 1st as a special teams ace, a guy that didn't even play more than 100 snaps over the last four seasons on defense. And he's coming out here playing like one of your best players. I mean, let's, let's be frank about it. The, the interception, he ran that route for Chase Claypool. And Claypool goes down because they made a little bit of contact, but it wasn't even close to a defensive pass interference. Stays on his feet, feels that thing over his shoulder like Willie Mays Hayes going back for a fly ball in deep center field in Major League. Uh, the coverage was good for him all night, closing down some of those short routes. The way this, this defense fought through the many, many rub routes. I mean, I talked about it on the preview podcast, right? Like Kenny Pickett's average at the target this year was 3.8 yards in that 10 and under range, and that was like 75% of their throws They want to get the ball out quick. They want to keep their offense on schedule. And so when you get that press man coverage, a good way to attack that is those rub routes, those little things that can cause communication errors, potentially cause busts. And when you get the rub accurately applied, excuse me, you can then get guys open for your quarterback to have easy decisions and make it happen that way. But this Dolphins defense just wasn't having it. I'd love to see the numbers against press coverage tonight because they were locking it down all night long. I think the way Xavier Howard communicates things, the way that he kind of is that veteran setting presence back there goes a long, long way. I don't know the numbers yet. When I check PFF tomorrow, when they have the updated stats for us, I'm pretty sure he didn't allow more than a few yards, if that, in this game on a catch or two. He was very, very good. Uh, And we'll get to him here in just a second on teaching tape because he was our teaching tape player in this game. And um, man, for him and Justin Bethel and Noah Igbenogany to just continuously, those little third and short, like third and three or less, little flat routes where they would try to get one guy coming in, stick a pick, and then run that flat off of him. They were on those. They came over the top of the picks and they closed them down. They got on top of the receiver and forced either tight windows for high throws or, you know, were there for a quick tackle. I was really impressed by that. I mean, early in the game on that first third down incompletion, Noah Egbenogany has a good reroute to force an incompletion. Then we get the pick from Justin Bethel where he stays in phase and runs the route for Chase Claypool. Justin Bethel gets a big tackle short of the sticks on third down to get the defense off the field once again. Noah Igbenogany fights through a rub route and gets over the top of the potential route and Pickett misses high because of the coverage, giving him a small window. Then we had some tough areas, right? The drives of the Steelers went down the field and scored a touchdown. The uh, the big play up the sideline, we're kind of lost in coverage there. The touchdown to Pickens is just a great play by George Pickens. Like, Igbo was right there, but, you know, these guys get paid to make plays too, and he made a play on that one. 
Then you wind up losing Brandon Jones, and Clayton Fedgelum comes down and makes a huge stop on third and one after Jalen Phillips occupies the blocker to clear that lane for that weak side run into an unfavorable box count there for the Steelers' offense. They go with it anyways, and Fedgelum makes them pay by getting in there as the free man to make that play. And just the way the secondary across the board balled out to Clayton Fedgelum, you know, Eric Rowe came in and was right there in a big spot on fourth down, but Kenny Pickett made a great throw, and Pat Fryermuth made a great catch to ex- extend that drive and really extend the game at that point. You know, Brandon Jones goes out with a knee injury. We'll see what his status is uh, on Monday when we hear from Coach Mike McDaniel. And then Javon Holland, man, can't say enough about just what he means for this defense in terms of, you know, we talk about being down so many guys and how the system, like, Ideally, you want to play that press and get up on guys' faces and reroute, and maybe you can't always do that without you know, two, three, or four of your guys you have out there. And so Javon Holland's kind of playing more over the top and making sure that teams aren't getting deep. And nobody is getting deep on this Dolphins' defense this year. I mean, they have not allowed much of anything down the field in the passing game, and a big reason for that is Javon Holland. And then finally, on a third and long and late in the game, he has a chance to not have to you know, kind of play that traffic caught back there. And, you know, I talked to OJ McDuffie about it on the postgame show, and he said, man, Javon's making so many calls and checks back there where he's the eyes, you know, the defensive coordinator on the field, as it were, you know, seeing things and making calls and, and making checks and getting guys in the right spot. And so he finally has a chance to come down and, and like, rob a play, which is where, you you know, you, drop, you jump a crosser. It wasn't a crossing route. It was a little stick route. But he jumps up on that thing. And before Pickett even let that thing fly, he was driving on the ball, and he makes a play and, gets his second interception of the year, and what a big play that was to end that drive at that time. So I thought the Dolphins, between the coverage, the the defensive structure, the play of the safeties, the play of the corners, the next man up mentality, that's the entirety of takeaway number three. I know it's long-winded, but I had to cover it all because it was so impressive. And quite frankly, in my opinion, the reason they won this game was how that secondary played, not just in general, but through all the adversity they faced because that is a a good, a, a tough task to handle and they got that job done I want to actually go ahead and play this audio here from coach Mike McDaniel on Noah Igbenogany and just how important that play was and why it's so cool to see a player like him who has fought through some adversity of his own to get put in a big spot and make the biggest play of his career in a big time spot when it basically meant victory for your Miami Dolphins no it's a big deal you know you you uh it just goes to show and it's a great example for the entire team you know this is a guy that um you know, because of certain um, matchups that we had going on at the beginning of the year, he he didn't start the year dressing, um, and you can go one or two ways with that. So um, you can either let it ra- define you and rattle you, or you can um, not even blink uh, and worry about the opportunities you do get. I think that's one of my favorite examples of this season because um, you know he's he does his best to ignore the noise, but nobody's oblivious. And he, he really, really wants to do um, big things in this league. And he's only 20, 22 or 23 years old. He's super young. Um, but, you know, I think the whole team really, uh, just in the locker room, was really excited for him because they know um, how hard he's worked and, uh, you know, to get on the field, to contribute, and then do it at the end of the game. Um, you know, that's a that's a big moment. That's you know will always be one of the bigger ones in your NFL career because um, it's his first game ender. So that is takeaway number three. Takeaway number four is I thought the run game really had its stuff cooking tonight, and that really goes back to Raheem Mostert and what he's looked like so far. I mean, you know, 
the way that he runs through tackles and the slashing style that he has to avoid being squared up at the point generates so many more advantageous down and distances because rather than second and eight where he could stood up and push back, he falls forward and he gets second and six or second and five. And those are critical, crucial yards that open up your play sheet, open up what your offense can do from a creativity standpoint. And we like having that when you have number one, number 10, number 17, and, and Mike on the headset calling things out. I mean, Chase Edmonds had a nice nine-yard run as well where he then finished for the first down after that play and put the Dolphins you know, in a scoring position there early in the game. Most are a couple of huge runs. That drive early in the fourth quarter where the Dolphins go up-tempo, it's like a 12-yard run and an eight-yard run to get the offense cranking at a time where it just wasn't quite clicking at that point. And for the offensive line to create some space, I mean, there was plenty of nice runs off the left side there behind Teron Armstead, who was back and looked like Teron Armstead, running behind Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams, Rob Hunt, Brandon Shell, who to me looks like the real deal at the right tackle position. Can't wait to watch him on film uh, tomorrow. But the run game getting cranking and what that can do to benefit the passing game, the play-action game, the tendency breakers it affords, just it's going to be it's going to pay dividends if the running game can keep going at this rate that it's starting to find its legs a little bit here man like it's a few games in a row now where you're getting chunk gains in the running game you're playing off that in play action over Raheem Mostert 16 for 79 just a smidge under five yards per carry in this one looks pretty good it's looking pretty good right now Tua also adds four for 15 Chase Edmonds seven for 17 on the night takeaway number five Still some rust and things to shake off and the self-inflicted wounds. I just kind of kept a tally here of things that I thought were the difference between Miami winning a tight game and potentially putting this game away early and, you know, getting into uh, to run the clock out mode in the fourth quarter. A couple of drop passes in this game, one on a third down play to Chase Edmonds that might have moved the sticks if we make that catch. There was a ball over the middle to Tyreek Hill that was a one-handed attempt that nearly got picked off on the ricochet. And just kind of the timing there with Tua and Tyreek on some of those throws just seemed a little bit off, just like a smidgen, a hair of a second late. We nearly threw a couple of picks that were dropped by the Steelers as well, so you got to clean those up. Um, Gasicki had a drop in the end zone. The fourth down failure on fourth and three in the red zone, that's a big opportunity that we can potentially you know, turn into points if we execute there. We did kick a field goal in the low red zone there, which obviously once you get like inside the 10 or 5-yard line, touchdowns, the, the thinking there. There was a miscommunication on an out route to Waddle where the Steelers' cornerback jumped it and dang near drove that thing all the way back to the end zone. Penalties were not a big issue in this game, 5 for 40. That's a pretty common number across the NFL. But just in general, offense a little bit off. Some of those shots to Tyreek just a little bit off. And then obviously no points in the second half. That's never what you want to see from your offense. But luckily in this game, complimentary football across the board allowed Miami to get back into the winner's circle regardless of some stagnance on offense. And hopefully next week, another week of full practice reps, something the coach and Tua both talked about with how difficult it is to kind of get back in there, not having those practice reps or full game reps like Tua hadn't seen until tonight since really the Buffalo game, or I, I guess the Cincinnati game, but having full practice reps in the Buffalo week because of the abbreviated Cincinnati week, you didn't get the full practice reps. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities to shake the rust off and get back going uh, to that first quarter production we saw in the Sunday night victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So those are your five takeaways. I want to go ahead and play this clip for you here because I thought it was a cool look, a cool glimpse into the mind under the helmet of QB1. We talked about the mistakes that were made and how they were a little bit off in segment number one. I wanted to play this soundbite for you guys with Tua talking about situational football. When Noah Igbenogany made that pick, uh, just kind of how he was thinking throughout the course of that drive, what might need to happen next, where do I have to go, what's a potential situation we might face as a result of a sack, a big play, a field goal, a touchdown, a pick, like whatever it might have been. Tua discussing the 
many, many potential outcomes of those drives and how he wanted to be ready for whatever the case might have been when the offense went back out on the field. Well, uh, situational awareness of uh, things that could possibly happen if they do score, uh, if they had to kick a field goal, uh, things like that. So, um, you know, I, was, I would say I was, I was prepared for whatever happened if they did kick a field goal um, and then we, we got the ball back or if they scored and we got the ball back the time. Uh, what that looks like with two timeouts that we had left. So going over situational awareness. So there you go. Really cool insight there, I thought, from Tua. Just how in tune he is to everything. We get so excited on the postgame show, me, Seth, and OJ, about his recall on certain plays, like the third and 22 play against Buffalo back in week three, how he just broke down like the backside safety pulled out, and we knew that Jalen had to win a one-on-one matchup. I thought he would. Gave him a chance. Made it like Just the way he can recall all that stuff, really, really fun stuff there from QB1. Let's take our last break right here and come back and finish up with the play before the play and the teaching tape. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Let's go ahead and end it here with a couple of segments uh, we do on every single recap show. The play before the play. And this was a tough one because there was a few options for me out there. But I'm going to the Christian Wilkins stop on the Najee Harris run on second and three. It was right before Javon Holland's pick. He gets stood up, and it's basically a a battle of will and power at the line. And Wilkins winds up burying him just a yard short of the sticks, opposed to getting knocked backward and giving Najee Harris a fresh set of downs. Because then on third and one... What does Pittsburgh do? False start, then third and six, they hold, and that creates creates an opportunity for Javon Holland on third and 16 to drive on a Kenny Pickett pass and make the big play there and pick it off and take it back for 30-something yards on the other side on the return. Really good play by Christian Wilkins to give that opportunity for that third down play for Miami to really take advantage of it as they did there with Javon Holland. My teaching tape in this one is Xavier Howard on a Claypool drag and corner combination with Deontay Johnson, a switch release, which means that the line scrimmage are just going to go ahead and switch and try to cause confusion in your man coverage. And X passes off inside to the inside corner, who I think was Justin Bethel, and winds up falling back and taking Chase Claypool to the corner. Kenny Pickett thought man coverage, go ahead and throw that thing out there because he's going to be open. X peels back to where he probably isn't supposed to be and winds up making a great play on the football who just from pure instincts and, you know, habits and study and re- like, such a good play by Xavier Howard to pass off, get depth, and find the ball on that corner route where, you know, there was a lot of range to cover, a lot of, lot of to process in a short amount of time. That's what Xavier Howard does, making big plays for this Dolphins team to get back into the winner's circle at 4-3 and three here on Sunday night. Also, shout out to Jason Sanders and Thomas Morris. I know I talked about them already, but I put them in the notes here twice because they both had fantastic nights and special teams were very, very good on this night for your 
Miami Dolphins. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. A uh, Monday recap show hits about 3 o'clock in the morning here taping this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and go home and go to bed. We'll come back on Monday and break the film down, do the PFF stuff, and put it onto a podcast for you guys for Tuesday. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. Our Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on uh, at Wingfield NFL. My Twitter handle will be the place you can find that. Also, the postgame show, 560 WQAM, every Sunday after every single Miami Dolphins game. Check out the YouTube channel for the media availabilities for Dolphins Today, Fish Tank, and Drive Time content. Do not forget to check out the international podcast across the network as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, you're in bed, but Daddy's coming home.